excited to talk with Dr. David Grossman, DDS, Fellow of the Academy of General Dentistry and a member of DMORT, a federal disaster team that is part of NDMS, the National Disaster Medical System. Applying his knowledge in dental forensics, Dr. Grossman has worked in the aftermath of 9-11, Hurricane Katrina, and Hurricane Maria. He has given numerous forensic lectures to different groups, both dental and non-dental. In his private practice, Dr. Grossman is highly respected and beloved by all of his patients and a true asset to his community, collecting numerous accolades and awards over the years. We are excited to talk with Dr. David Grossman, DDS. Welcome, Dr. Grossman. Thanks for coming and talking to us today. Thanks so much for having me and, you know, flying me in first class accommodations. <laughs> Always. Only the best. Nothing about the best for our guests. You know that, David. I found a great place to crash right down the block, so it's all good. It's perfect. <laughs> Just to get us started, I'd love to know, how did you get started in dentistry? And how do you feel the industry has really changed since you started? Uh, it's it's changing drastically, but how did I get started? And that's usually the first thing people ask when they come into the office. Did you always know you want to be a dentist? And my answer is absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I had no clue what I wanted to do. Uh, took a lot of sciences in in college. They said to me, all right, you're going to graduate soon. What are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I took an aptitude test. We ruled out farmer. We ruled out <laughs> things like farmer. that. And uh, I, decided, I decided I wanted to do something in the medical field, but I didn't want to be a physician. I didn't want to deal with coughs and runny noses. I like using my hands. I, I like crafts. So I figured maybe dentistry, maybe optometry. Um, I took my dental boards. I did okay. So I said, all right, I'll give it a try. And <laughs> like I tell my patients, I'm still just doing this till I figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. 37 years later. <laughs> like all industries, technology is influencing many new and emerging trends. More than ever, the dental industry is seeing a rapid growth in this area. We are now hearing about the use of 3D printing and AV and AR use new advanced scanners for more accurate pictures and measurements. Where have you seen the most advancement with tech in dentistry? So, yes, uh, technology in dentistry has exploded. Um, and I'm going to address some of the things you just mentioned in, in a second. But the first thing to me, one of the biggest advances was in the field of x-rays, radiology. When I was in school, we took little individual x-rays. Then either you had to go into a dark room and develop everything. You wow. had to soak them in the developer. Then you had to soak them in the fixer. And you had to hope they came out. If they didn't, you had to bring the patient back again. It was a very time consuming. Uh, if you were lucky, they had these fancy machines called peripros that you could put about eight x-rays in at a time. Uh, and you waited about 10 minutes. The, it was a conveyor belt that passed it through the different chemicals. And again, you just crossed your fingers that they right. came out the way you wanted them to. Um, in, a, in the late 90s, they came out with digital radiography, computerized x-rays. And, and that was really the first piece of technology that I bought. Um, and to me, that's been the biggest uh, advantage and, and game changer because you take x-rays right as the patient's in the chair. They pop right up on a computer screen. The patient gets 80 to 90 percent less exposure than they got previously because the sensors are much more sensitive than film was. 
And if, if someone moved, if something didn't come out, you retake it in a couple seconds, it's no big deal. Uh, so to me, that's, that's one of the biggest, but it's been around a while. 3D printing, like you mentioned, is, is starting out. Um, there are pros, there are cons. It's brand new. So I think it, it has a little ways to go before it becomes mainstream, but I have no doubt it will get there. Where would they use the 3D printing to make like when you make a crown or to make an implant? They're not doing it yet on crowns that I know of, but dentures, night guards, um, things of that nature. Um, I've actually had a couple of dentures made with 3D printing. I'm going to say that I, I don't love it because if you make it by hand, there's more you can do. Sometimes you want to make it a little stronger. You want to put a little metal in for strength. You want to tweak little things that you can't do yet with 3D printing. I'm sure it'll get there. But for right now, um, it, it's it's not a, a, a panacea to everything. With all of the advancements, I mean, it seems amazing everything you're saying, but do you feel that it transitions into the private practice like the one you have? It is. It, it takes time um, because, of course, there's the cost factor. You know, everyone has to do a, a, a cost analysis. Is right. it going to be worth it? There are certain technologies that are out there that are great for large offices that just don't really suit me and my needs. But uh, over time, just like computerized x-rays, uh, I'm going to say 95% of the offices that I know use it, if not more. Um, this other technology will get more and more popular over time uh, as costs come down and uh, advances occur. It's interesting. We, you asked earlier about like virtual reality and augmented reality. I was actually reading that Virtual reality is starting to be used for training dentists and training dental surgeon to kind of the virtual reality puts them in the operating room, which sounds, I mean, like you said, it's kind of like the 3D printing, like how far or how close is it to the reality of actually learning how to do that practice? Yeah, it's so, especially the last couple of years during COVID when it was difficult for patients to get to the office uh, or even in dental schools for patients to get to dental schools. Um, so I understand I, I've been out of the education field for a long time, <laughs> but I understand that they're using augmented reality, virtual reality to help train so that if a student doesn't have a patient to work on through uh, AI, AR, VR, uh, they can get some hands-on experience, you know, to try to diagnose x-rays, lesions in someone's mouth, um, you know, to have wow. that patient experience without having the patient there. That's pretty amazing. And it's scary because I feel like, <laughs> although it sounds very progressive and revolutionary, I would think of like training as a nurse and training on, in virtual reality as opposed to on a human patient. I mean, there were always the like little dummies that we had in our clinical, you know, rooms that we would practice on. But eventually you have to see a real person. Absolutely. Um, my first year of dental school, uh, we had to collect teeth from oral surgeons. We, we hmm. put them in, in a in the shape of an arch of, of the mouth, the upper arch, the lower arch. Uh, we put them in mannequins just like you worked on. And so for the first year before you're actually drilling in patients or working on patients, right. you're working on real teeth, real teeth in mannequin mouths. Wow. And so that's how we were trained too. But right, like, uh, you know, people coming out now, they're not going to know from 
all the old time stuff that we did. You know, my (laughs) kids don't understand that when I was young, I had the choice of six television stations and you had to actually walk to the TV (laughs) to turn the station. You had two, four, five, seven, nine, (laughs) eleven. Sesame Street wasn't even on yet. So, uh, you know, so it, it yes, technology is incredible. Used the right way. The technology is only as good as the people who are in charge of it. Exactly. Yeah. So the pandemic certainly affected every industry, uh, but ha- I'd have to say the dental industry must have felt a major impact. Uh, many practices were transitioning to some form of telehealth platform. It's a great way to obviously provide support for education and share things like photos and scans. I actually do telehealth in my industry that's actually sponsored by the federal government, but that's more for mental health. Right. So I have to ask... Um, can you truly diagnose and treat a patient without seeing them just using telehealth? There are plenty of people who will tell you that they believe you can. Um, there are now insurance codes to submit uh, wow. telehealth procedures, really? consultations. Uh, personally, and this is strictly my opinion, I, I think it has minimal use in dentistry. I mean, yes, for years, I've had patients take a photo in their mouth. I have this sore, this funny looking spot. Do you think I should come in? What do you think? You know, you can't diagnose without seeing somebody live. However, um, if somebody just is looking for a consultation or encouragement to, yes, get something looked at, you know, that's fine. Uh, but again, I personally, I can't take money from people uh, to look at a picture and tell them what it may or may not be. You know, if a cavity is there, you got to drill the tooth. You got to do something directly on the patient. Right. So, yeah, telemedicine, I think, is great and it's more advanced than teledentistry. Uh, I'm sure that'll change a little bit over time, but I'm not a big proponent of it myself right now. One area in dentistry that seems to be growing and advertised all over is cosmetic dentistry. We all see the celebrities with their new veneers and their perfect smiles. And we see their advertisements for the low cost implants and crowns. But some procedures seem really expensive. And I was wondering, are all the materials used created equal? Is everything, how is this happening? Why is this going on? Such a common question because everybody comes in and no matter where they live, I saw a commercial on television and I can have my full mouth done in, in, in two yes. days or in two hours. <laughs> and it only costs one ninety nine ninety five. And uh, the answer is in a lot of ways, the restorations in your mouth are kind of like buying a car. You can buy a Yugo, you can buy a Lamborghini, and you can buy a lot of things in the middle. Uh, there's a lot of different uh, things that go into dentistry and go into restorations. There are better materials. There are worse materials. A lot of women can't wear costume jewelry because their skin reacts to some of the uh, components of the metals. It's the same in the wow. mouth. Dentists have access to precious metals, noble metals, non-precious metals. When you see someone advertising how low their prices are because they're using low quality materials, Thanks. there's there's a huge difference. It, the same thing with porcelains. The same thing with laboratories, uh, a, a laboratory that's very reputable, that that does great work, will charge a lot more than a laboratory in the Caribbean. Some people will send <laughs> their lab work out of the country because it's cheaper. Huh. The patient doesn't really understand or, or right. maybe doesn't even want to know that. 
that. But at the end of the day, everybody is responsible for the work that they put into someone's mouth. And I, I think you want to know that you put in quality materials and you want to stand by them. Mm, yeah, that's it. That is interesting. I suppose most people wouldn't question that. And that would be horrible to have a reaction. Exactly. Sometimes people come in and they'll say to me, I had a crown done. I had an implant done. It was never comfortable. It yeah. never felt right. Um, you know, and, and there's just there were different reasons for it. But uh, quality materials make a big difference. Uh, and, and, you know, you want to think that a uh, high powered car, you know, an expensive yeah. car will have better reliability and better service, hopefully, than maybe a less expensive. But sure. in the perspective yeah. of the person yeah. buying it, sure. they're thinking they're spending the money. Just yeah. thinking like, I know nothing about cars, so I'm just going by a name that people right. think of as yes. high quality. Yeah. I, I I have make no representation about <laughs> the the uh, right. efficiency of any vehicle. For a long time, um, we hear that mercury fillings are dangerous. They affect your nervous system. They cause health problems. And I was just wondering, having said all this about different materials, is that really what's going on? Is that possible? Another question that people ask frequently, and the first thing I tell them is they're not mercury fillings. Yes, there's mercury inside the filling when it's made. They're called amalgam because by nature, by definition, the word, word amalgam means a mixture, a combination of, of, of materials. And so that's what an amalgam is. It's got different metals in it. One of them is mercury, which helps bind the metals together. Um, all the research that's been done has shown that that silver fillings are safe. Um, if you go into a health food store, if you. Good news. Good news is right. Well, and you know what? I have my mouth is full of silver fillings from when I was young. I tell my patients, if you want to replace silver fillings because you don't like the way they look. Right. That's perfectly fine and understandable for cosmetics. If you think you're going to get any health benefit whatsoever from replacing them, you're not. It's not causing any problems. If you have brain damage, you had the brain damage having nothing to do with the fillings. <laughs> no comments there, right? Wow. So no one should just run out and get all their fillings removed because no. of, for health benefits. O only for cosmetic purposes. If, but if you think you're going to benefit in any way from it, uh, absolutely not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you knew this, but it said that 36% of people in the U.S. have a fear of dental treatment. Oh. And 12%, believe it or not have what's called an extreme fear. Phobia, absolutely. <laughs> um, as far as I know, this from studies that I've heard, the two biggest fears that people have are public speaking and going to the dentist. <laughs> and I'm not sure of the order, uh, but yes, that that is an extremely common fear. And it's something that, that personally I try to help people work through because, yes, going to the dentist is a very intimate uh, act and, and trusting someone to be working inside your body where you can't see what's going on. You have to be trusting them. Um, that can be very scary. And years ago, a lot of procedures were not comfortable um, right. and not a lot of dentists used local mm. anesthetic the right way. So oh things <laughs> often hurt. And people in the armed forces had stories of just having work done in the field to oh. get back out to fight. And it's enough to, you know, you understand why they would be so afraid. <laughs> but really, dentistry has changed so much. I mean, I tell people, if it's going to hurt anywhere, it's really only going to be in the wallet. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it really, if if you take care, if you, if you just do things the right way. 
in almost all instances, you shouldn't have pain. You know, I personally think it's the sound of that drill. Why? Why? With all of this technology, <laughs> let's get rid of the sound. Because and, when I hear that coming <laughs> and I think it's like, you know, like when you watch a really, really scary movie and you mute it and it's just like not as scary, you know, it just the whole thing is just easier to take. But, but like in Jaws, when you know the head's going to fall out of the boat, <laughs> you know it's going to fall out, but know, you're still afraid that, when it happens. That noise. I, I mean, know. why can't we? It could be like the Tesla of dentistry. So they just, do have they do have lasers. They have different kinds of lasers, part of technology. There are soft tissue lasers that take the place of scalpels to cut soft tissue gums. And there are hard tissue lasers, which can be used on on teeth. Sometimes you can't use them on, on old silver fillings and you can't use them all the time. Right. Um, but again, that, that technology is out there. Um, and, and over time, it'll get more and more popular as costs come down and, and it's adopted more by by the smaller practices, which leads me to say now, uh, as far as in the future, there's fewer and fewer smaller practices because now uh, corporations are taking over dentistry just as has happened in medicine. Um, so, you know, and, and I have very not so good feelings about that personally. Um, but uh, as uh, technology is evolving and it continues to evolve. I was going to ask you, and I know we talked about x-ray technology earlier in the field of dentistry, but today, obviously, many offices are transitioning to scanners. And whether you're using it for 3D printing or just for that computerized 360-degree view, what's been that transition like between x-ray and scanners? I mean, as, as a dentist having to go through, you know, wearing the special vest or leaving the room, I'm just curious what that transition has been like in dentistry. Okay. Well, so I think you may be alluding to cone beam technology, something a little different. Scanners and 3D technology, there's no radiation involved. That's just imaging. That's just taking a whole lot of photos in the computer. Mm -hmm. So there's no radiation involved. When you take x-rays, uh, yes, that's radiation. And now the cone beam technology, 3D uh, x-rays, uh, like a CAT scan, uh, those are becoming more and more popular, those machines as well, especially for surgeons, for people doing uh, orthodontics, uh, people placing implants, because right. you want to know what the bone looks like under the gum in 3D. Years ago, you might drill a hole to put an implant in. If the tissue didn't look good, if the bone didn't look good, you said, oh, you know what? This place isn't going to work. You put some filler, some graft material in there, and you went to another place. Now you can usually weed out all these failures, all these weak spots by looking at, at the uh, the 3D x-rays, the cone beam technology. Um, but yes, usually by habit, when you take uh, x-rays or, or you do this, you know, people have to be away from the, the field of, of the radiation. Oh. Yeah. In full disclosure, I have recently experienced this myself. I'm lucky to call you my dentist. Oh, my pleasure. And <laughs> you use this on me. You use the scanner. I had a tooth that was uncomfortable. And yes. you, it was so easy and quick. And I felt like that was just amazing. And you had such accurate measurements. And what I thought was the coolest part was that you were able to send all of that information in real time to a lab tech that was awaiting it to exactly. evaluate and, your scan. And, and that's one of the more exciting things going on because a lot of people don't like having the the goop, they call it, uh, the impression yeah. material in their mouth biting down. Um, 
you know, there's been great uh, acts on television shows that Kevin James, the King of Queens, the episode where he's taking impressions in his mouth. And uh, there's been a few of those. (laughs) So how does that work, though, what you said with the, the kind of live transmission to a lab, I mean, you you must have great Wi-Fi. Or how does that work? <laughs> right. So what happens is uh, the the scanner is, is a, the 3D scanner is a computer, and there's a wand that you just move around the mouth, and it's like a little mini camera. It takes pictures, and you move it around the front of the teeth, the back of the teeth, uh, tops and bottoms, and you can show the person a 3D image of what their mouth looks like. So before, I might say to someone, and actually I did say it all the time, you have a large old filling, it's got a crack in it, you really ought to think about putting a crown on the tooth, it's going to break. And, you know, like, yeah, 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 it doesn't hurt. If it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, and then I might show them the x-rays, but, but look at the x-rays. See, this whole tooth is white because it's all metal. There's no tooth there. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, it doesn't hurt. Now, when I show someone their mouth in three dimensions in full color, they'll look at the tooth and they'll say, that looks uh. terrible. That, that <laughs> It's all metal. It's all cracked. And so it, it's nice. It, it just validates, you know, it lets people see what it is that they really need. Um, you know, unfortunately, over the years, there's always people who are trying to sell patients work, maybe things that they don't need just to make themselves busy. Right. Um, and uh, that takes me into a whole other thing about the corporate world of dentistry, which I'm not going to go there right now. But the nice thing is people can understand the reason, you know, for for seeing what it is that they need. Yeah, it was pretty awful. It was like the worst. It was so awful to see that part of my mouth. I mean, not. It was just one know, tooth. Just, I mean, the rest of you is beautiful, teeth. but. They're not young, but it was like a rough. I was like, take it off the screen. Oh, so that so then to address what you were talking about. So, right. So now the computer, we can hook in the computer to the laboratory of our choice. And uh, the image is saved as a file. And it gets sent right directly to the lab. So now uh, instead of me sending impressions to the lab and if they have a question after they pour up the models a few days later, they, they would call me and we could discuss it. Now they can remote right into the computer and they can look at the patient's mouth exactly the same as I can. And we can discuss, you know, how we're going to do something. You know, this tooth needs a little special treatment because of this, because of that. And so I have the laboratory right with me in the office, even though they wow. can be across the country. That's great efficiency. I like that. Yeah, Isn't that cool? exactly. Yeah, that is. A fun fact. I always like to pull some fun facts. It's Max's favorite part of facts. the podcast. <laughs> 61% of the population claim that they are first attracted to someone by their smile. And that's that, what got that's you, That's what right? got me uh, straight out of the gate. <laughs> well, I can see why you two are married. <laughs> Dr. Grossman, you have a great deal of experience in the area of dental forensics. And have given numerous forensic lectures to different groups, both dental and non-dental. Can you tell us about this and how you got involved? Yeah. So forensics has become a a hobby of mine over the last 25 years. Um, Back in, was it, I think, 97, uh, when TWA Flight 800 went down, it took off from JFK Airport uh, on its way to Europe. It left about eight o'clock in the evening and about 15 minutes or so into the flight while it was off the coast of Long Island, Mm. it exploded. Uh, and unfortunately everybody on the plane was lost. Um, I, 
found out that there was a group that was doing the dental uh, examinations, the forensic examinations to identify the patients. And I said, you know, this is something that I, I could help with that, that just interests me a lot. So uh, I started doing a lot of training. I took a lot of courses. I joined the American Academy of Forensic Sciences. I joined the American Society of Forensic Odontology. Um, and uh, a few years later, I uh, joined a federal disaster team so that I, that's something, a service that I can help provide. And, you know, while it's usually uh, very sad because people would have died in order for the services to be needed, it, it makes you feel very nice being able to help families get closure. Is it true that after a body decomposes, the teeth still remain intact? The teeth that are actually so the hardiest part of the body. Uh, you can be in a plane crash. You can be in an explosion. Wow. Teeth are extremely strong. Uh and so, yes, dental examinations, uh, dental identifications are extremely uh, common when you have anti-mortem and post-mortem records. Uh, you have to have something to compare to. Um, and and so that, that was one of the problems at TWA 800. They were able to retrieve all of the victims fairly quickly. Uh, and in New York, the mayor was saying, well, release the bodies, release the bodies, but you can't identify them without records. And, and so it takes a while right. to try to get these records of people who were believed to be on the plane. And if people lived in Europe to then first get records from Europe. Right. Uh, so uh, it's, it's, it's very um, accurate, but you have to have the before records. Okay. So that's why they're used often for solving crimes and for identification, like you're saying, but what I was wondering is how it works, because what if unfortunately there aren't records, are they unique as a fingerprint? Is it something that, you can identify at least their gender or their race or ethnicity. Like there are traits that that you can say are consistent with. Um, you can't do a dental identification without records. But um, for instance, if someone has been in an explosion, uh, 9-11, you know, where you had a lot of people with a lot of bodies with a lot of trauma, people fell from the t uh, collapsing buildings. Um, we could, you can identify a victim on, on one or two teeth. You don't even need a whole mouth. If someone had a root canal uh, and it's shaped a certain way on the x-ray or somebody has a funny looking wisdom tooth, you can identify a person on one little x-ray. It, wow. It's really, that's amazing. Wow. It, it really is amazing. Are there specific teeth that are favored more for identification? What I, what, what I tell people when they have a lot of restorations in their mouth, those are the easiest people to identify. Oh, you see, yeah. honey? It's very difficult if you have a young person who's never had any fillings right, right. and probably never went to the dentist very much. Those are harder to identify. If someone has two crowns and three root canals and an implant, even if you only saw a small portion of that person's mouth, you can very confidently make uh, an accurate identification. It's not, it's not as fast as it is on TV. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, dental. It's not one episode. <laughs> yeah, it's not one episode. You know, sixty minutes. Not. Yeah. With commercials, uh, but no, it, it really is very rewarding, gratifying. I I think it's pretty incredible that you've been part of giving families closure uh, and provide them with the knowledge that their loved ones are accounted for. How has technology advanced dental forensics? So in the very beginning, uh, you would have to put 
you would find a wall and you would get all the records and you put all the anti-mortem, the records from when people were alive, you post them up on one wall. And then after uh, somebody passes away, when you have all the, the, the victims, uh, they're examined just as if they were alive. Uh, we do a complete dental exam and all the records, those are the post-mortem records, go up on another wall. Uh, or you hold them in your hand and you just go walking and you try to compare charts hand to eye. Wow. Um, they've come out with different computer programs over the years, which have gotten popular to help. The programs don't identify, but they tell you points that you have in common or points that you don't have in common. So they gear you. Hey, you may want to take a look at this person. Uh, this person has 15 uh, identification spots that, that are consistent. Uh, this one has 12, uh, you know, and, and so you can get an idea of where to look. Uh, so computers have definitely helped a lot with that. You're also going under the premise though, A, that the dentist who saw the person when they were alive were making accurate notes. Right. Unfortunately, that's oh, not always the case because really? you no. have humans and human error. Yeah. It could have been unintentional. It could have been intentional for insurance purposes. So y y there's a lot of complications, uh, but for if you know that a victim is missing a first molar and you know that the person you're looking for had a first molar, well, then you know that you have different people. So, right. right we were talking about landmarks. You look for points of, of similarity or points of difference and the computer helps get you closer to where you want to look. It's tough. I mean, yeah, it's you have people of all ages. You know, it could be it could be very young people. It, it could be only a part, a portion of a body, you know, you don't always have a whole full right. victim. Um, but you know, it's your job. You do what you have to do. I know that there has to be more. I know you just aren't busy enough. So can you share <laughs> other hobbies that you may have aside from all of this stuff? So that that's one problem that I've found that too many dentists don't have a release that they are so, uh, <laughs> engulfed in, in what they do for a living. They have no life. Their whole life is, is teeth. And I love what I do when I'm doing it, but I like my breaks away from it. And um, so life has gone in some funny directions over the years. Um, my wife was very into the cooking, the food network from many, many years ago. And personally, I didn't get it, you know, who did to watch a show about French toast or, uh, you know, how to how to make a cake. It just didn't seem uh, to me like, you know, how, how this is never going to last. You know, a couple of shows, this thing will be gone in a couple of years. And um, she she had me watching a couple of shows. And so for her birthday years ago, uh, she loved Chopped, this one show on Food Network. Sure. And uh, so I got us onto the set of, of Chopped. Um, oh, wow. They don't have they don't have an audience, but there was a charity auction and I made sure we won the auction. So we got to spend the day and um, I, I was really uh, amazed. I, I, I really fell in love with it. And we met a lot of nice people uh, on the show. And so. A year or two later, she, it was a birthday or an anniversary. And I said, all right, I did really well with that one. So I'm going to stay <laughs> with the same theme. And she loved the show called First Dinner Impossible. And then it transitioned to Restaurant Impossible. Oh, uh, so yeah. I said, OK, uh -huh. I'm going to I'm going to get us on that. So we went for a weekend down to Hagerstown, Maryland, and they were redoing a restaurant that was failing. Uh, and 
I had a blast. Uh, we we had a great time. Um, got very friendly with uh, the host of the show, Robert Irvine, um, and and Carolyn, my wife, loved it. She said, "Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad we did it." She was very happy to be done, never do it again. I went on to do 16 episodes wow. with them because I loved it so much. <laughs> and they said, anytime you want to come help out. So I would just take a, like a four day weekend uh, and close up shop for a few days, go out there, just help do the grunt work. It would, could be painting on the floor. It could be ripping uh, wood panels off the walls. Uh, wow. it, it was great because I, mean, I didn't have to think, you know, right. I was just someone to help. Yeah. You have these great designers, these great builders, and they would say, do this, do this. Fine. I'm very, ha- I don't, didn't have to think at all. And I loved it. And then uh, when the restaurant reopened, had a great meal uh, on the show and it was just so much fun. So that's cool. I yeah, mean, I feel so like unique. most yeah, people don't realize, yeah. first of all, most you, you didn't want to watch it. So you're just like in it. Now you're like yeah. in the production. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. And I'm sure there's so much more than goes into these shows, you uh, know, that like that one hour that people were watching probably takes yeah. 12 to well, how so many it's hours? A two, it's a two day filming, but there's a common theme because just like I, I do what I do because it makes me feel good helping people whether hopefully they're alive and making them feel good. If they're not alive, <laughs> if, if they're not alive, at least helping their family, you know, being able to bury That's them true. and, and, and have them. Uh, but with this restaurant show, it was amazing because you meet the owners of the restaurant. They're at the end of their rope. They have medical problems. They have family problems. They have huge financial problems. Um, they really are at the end. They, they've, their houses are in foreclosure. Mm. It's so real. Like this is not a staged show. These are real people with real problems. And when they get a brand new restaurant two days later, which they're getting, it's just so nice to be a part of. Um, So I I really did get a lot out of that as well. I I think it's so interesting because Erica and I have this conversation all the time because Erica loves reality TV. And I keep explaining (laughs) to her that when you're watching The Housewives, it's not real. It's not scripted. even close. So I it's mean, nice to hear I that just there let me dream. No. Just don't kill my dream. Most, most reality TV is scripted. Right. Almost all of it. Almost all of it. Um, but this one show is amazing because he, the host, Robert uh, Irvine, never meets the owners of the show before the filming starts. Uh, they get a new lease on life. And, and sometimes the best answer for them is they have something nice they can sell, get out of debt. You know, people say, well, but a lot right. of the restaurants close. You know what? A lot of them shouldn't have been opened in the first yeah, place. Right. People went, did it on a whim. And so sometimes the best thing for them is to get their money back, get out of debt and move on. So, yeah, I, I really, I really love that show and the people all involved with it are just amazing. Well, I'm definitely going to watch it because it's nice I that know. there's finally an authentic reality show that's not scripted. It is. <laughs> you see, like now he's going to watch and he's, you wait, you wait a couple months. You got to have a, someone, uh, oh, yeah. another I'm, helper. I'm pretty handy. Okay. I can, I can paint. I can put up walls. I can get you on. <laughs> well, that brings us to game time. Uh-oh. <laughs> For this podcast, we are going to play a game of this or that. I'll ask you rapid fire options and you just answer, which is your first choice? Oh, my God. You ready? Uh, No, but that's not going to stop you. (laughs) Okay. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. City or nature? Nature. Ski or scuba? Scuba. Beach or mountains? Beach. Android or iPhone? iPhone. 
Food Network or Cooking Channel? Food Network. The Eagles or the Who? Eagles. Sandals or Boots? Sandals. Cat or Dog? Dog, but I got both. <laughs> Robert Irvine or Guy Fieri? Oh, Robert Irvine. Even though they are best friends, but I haven't met Guy. I'm oh, really? Right. Yeah, they're, they're, Guy Fieri was Robert Irvine's best man at his wedding. Oh, but, that's cool. But I, I got to go with Robert because I've been with Robert for years. Call or text? Uh, call. Giants or Jets? Jets. Relax or explore? Relax. Iron Chef or Master Chef? Iron Chef. What's the difference? I don't know. <laughs> iron sounds better, right? I, I think iron Iron's like is a time competition. The yeah. master's more like who's got the best dish. Yeah, and I know a few of the Iron Chefs and, you know, and they got the cool, you know, Japanese introduction knife, yeah. going in. Oh, yeah. So, all right, I'll give it to Iron Chef. Netflix but, or Amazon? Uh, Amazon. Passenger or driver? Driver. Invisible or invincible? Uh, ooh, that's a good one. Um... Oh, wow. I, I didn't have any problem with the others up until that one. <laughs> invincible, invisible. I'm going to go with invincible. Build or renovate? Uh, build, build. Digital or vinyl? Digital. Resort or cruise? Oh, ooh, both. Uh, <laughs> I'm going on a cruise next week. I was in a resort a couple of weeks back. Oh, so I got nice. to go 50-50. I got to go 50-50 on, go okay. on that one. Tourist spot or hidden gem? Hidden gem. Read minds or see the future? Read minds. Swim with sharks or run with bulls? I've already swum with the sharks. Stop it. I've been <laughs> always wanting to do this. I, I, back in my younger days, I, I was very into scuba diving, which was when you said scuba. Awesome. Nice. Yankees or Mets? Mets. I like pain. Mets, Jets. I, I, it's torture, but yeah. When, I'm like, whatever you want to do to yourself. Uh, it, it, might as well stick myself with needles, but yes. <laughs> Wine tasting in Napa or skiing in Aspen? Oh, no brainer. Uh, I'm big. Uh, I The first time I I went to Napa, Sonoma. I fell in love. I have about 450 bottles of wine wow. at home. All right, we're so coming over. Anytime, over. anytime. And lastly, fame and fortune or love and happiness? Oh, got to go with love and happiness. Oh, that's a good answer. <laughs> that's a good yeah. one. Well, thank you for talking to us today. Yeah. It was very cool to hear your perspective on how tech has influenced the dental industry. Finally, I... Uh, I'm not going to be scared to go to the dentist. <laughs> and now we know. could just, if we could just silence those drills, Dr. Gross. I know. I, you know what? I always try to distract people. I try to talk. I try to tell them lousy jokes just to, <laughs> just to get their mind off of things. You are the best. Because you are. look, I, I know it's not fun and it's very stressful to a lot of people, but anything that, that the, the dentist can do to make it better for the patient, you have to do. It, it's just, there's no reason not to. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening today. Please continue to listen and subscribe. You could always find us on Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. You could find us on Instagram at Techie and the Blonde or ask us any questions or suggest topics we should discuss at techieandtheblonde at gmail.com. And our new and exciting website has launched, techieandtheblonde.com. You can find tons of content, pictures, everything discussed on the episodes. Thanks again. Bye.